bitter or you know, are you upset? Do you feel like you know, people feel you know do you feel like you uh, you got messed over? Do you feel like you got um do you feel like you uh, uh or or uh uh the victim of uh and I and across the board I always have the same exact answer because I don't feel that way at all. what I feel like is I feel uh I feel like I'm a better person because of all of my experiences. But at the same time, even though I know that I'm a better person because of the 30 years that I went through in prison and the times that I got beat up so bad that I had to go to the free world emergency room to have my face put back together and the times that I was with, in, with, well, went through riots and the fact that they took advantage of the fact that I was 17 years old and couldn't afford a lawyer and didn't know anything about the law to give me an an extremely excessive sentence. You know, and the fact that they held the fact that I was a teenager against me and held me for 17 years longer than they than I was than they had to. I was eligible for parole for 17 years. I could have been out of prison. You know, people are like, "Man, do you I mean, you must really, you know, I don't know how you've endured it. I don't know how you did what you did." I hear that all the time. It's it, and I'm not bitter about it. I'm not. I'm not at all because I really feel like I came out of the whole thing a better person. But at the exact same time, I would not want my worst enemy to go through what I went through. And I would not, I would never, I could never in a million years, no matter what someone has done, put them through the things that I've been through. So, I mean, maybe my mindset is is, is one that is, is there. Uh, it, it, it's it's a uh, it's a function of trying to change the system for the better without trying to perpetuate the exact same kind of pattern that's going on, because the the criminal justice system as it is in Texas right now is one where there's this vicious circle of abuse, criminal behavior on the part of of the of the person that's being incarcerated, and then then criminal. Uh, crimes being perpetuated against that person while he's perpetuated until he gets back out. And then he, so you have on one end, this guy, the society that feels like, oh, well, whatever we do, whatever happens to him is his fault. He put himself in that position. And then on the juxtaposition, he gets out and he's, whether it's conscious or whether it's unconscious, because it's not always a conscious thing. Response to trauma is not always a, a conscious form of behavior. Oftentimes, people are angry, and it's a it's a it's something that's simmering down right below their thinking pattern. It's a feeling that they have that from something that they've stuffed away and compartmentalized that is manifesting itself in negative behavior, and it comes right back out, and then the person goes right back in, and then the guy gets back out. I mean, who's being served by that idea? Who? No, there's no one being served by it. It's the... It perpetuates right. the exact thing that the prison system is claiming that it's there to stop. No, it makes it, it makes it 100... It, it makes it worse because as soon as they get out, they're not prepared to be back in. And so all they have to go off of is the things that got them in there. The, none of the problems that people... That brought people into prison in the first place are addressed so then they get back out and then we're surprised that they do the same things because the problems were never addressed 
you know, in the '90s and in the early 2000s, they had they had newspaper articles that were in USA Today about, and it wasn't even about Texas. It was other prison systems in other states that had this, had a problem with inmates masturbating in public. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, uh, you've been in prison. You know, there's terms for it: jacking, killing, all this other stuff. They call it, that's what, you know, the the sort of colloquialisms that are used to to uh, uh, by inmates. But there's a whole entire culture, little groups of inmates that form <laughs> that are these public masturbators. Yeah. They literally form their own little their own little uh, community that of self-support, so to speak. Self-support. That's a that's another way of putting that. <laughs> yes. Well they and they masturbate, uh, you know, in, uh, in open on female prison guards, right? And I only mention that to mention that, uh, you know, right uh, in the in the years that that uh, Rainforest and I, especially Rainforest, but he kind of came in right there at the beginning of the Priya concept, where they actually started taking this type of behavior seriously. But this went on for the full thirty years I was in prison. There was riots that were fought where inmates had had enough. Other inmates had had enough. They're like, man, I'm not going to sit around in this place with all these grown men with their penises out in the open masturbating. It's just, I can't do it anymore. And, they, and we had to fight back. It, it got, it has gotten that bad in prison. And there was a, I mentioned all of this in connection with something else. There was a guy, I wish I could remember his name. And I'm hoping that before this podcast is aired, that Ryan can do his homework and find this guy's case so he can uh, look up the articles. But he was exonerated. He was in prison for, for over a decade, I think, and eventually was exonerated. He didn't commit the crime that they said he did. But the time that he spent in prison had turned this guy into a sexual pervert, one of these masturbators. And he would have never been this way before. He would have never, he'd have never turned into that kind of person had he not been sent to prison. And so... A couple of years after this guy's released out of prison, maybe just a couple of months, I'm not really totally sure. There was articles all of a sudden posted in the Houston Chronicle that this guy popped up in a public department store and he's masturbating on women in public. Somebody catches this guy in a corner somewhere jacking off on women in, in this department store, right? And Quan LX had to come and save this guy and had to come and defend him, you know, and kind of point, you know, go in. It, it's nothing that you can't possibly defend something like this in the court of public opinion. You can't get on the newspaper and start, well, you know, the guy was uh, masturbating because he was, uh, you know, it's not going to work. So behind the scenes, though, Quan Alex was able to go to the authorities, the judges and so forth that are fixed to put this guy back in prison for master for a sex crime now because of the person that they turned him into that he from the situation that they put him in. He should have never never been in prison in the first place, and because he was there, it turned him into a into a horrible sex offender. That's the kind of cycle that I'm talking about. That, that, that's the kind of thing that goes in there that, 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 that gets in people's heads and turns them into people that they wouldn't even be had they not been in that situation to begin with. And that is what is not serving society. That is what is, is doing the opposite, having the opposite effect of what this prison system is claiming to do, claiming well, to be. Right, and the whole prison system right now is the idea is if you commit a crime, then we're going to put you away. 
and we're going to get you away from the good people, and the good people can live their lives while the bad people can are set off aside. But we're that's it. That's like as far as it is. That's the end of the story. In Texas, it's a little worse because they're they're like. You get what you get, so we're going to put you aside. We really – Texas will only, like, treat inmates humanely until it's gone through – they fought it all the way through the Supreme Court, and it's been forced down Texas's throat that they have to do things like not feed us animal steroids, not uh, – to provide AC in over a hundred degree heat, um, with inmates dying from hyperthermia, not hypo, hyper excessive heat. Right, and it's all that. that and they do. Just so you know, yes, they do feed inmates animal steroids. Malone was around for that fun. Excitement. I'm a product of animal steroids. <laughs> um, the animal I am today. Just due to the steroids that I had to eat for decades in prison. But they, but so you you send them aside, and then behaviors like you were talking about the public masturbation, those things get rewarded in prison. Things that would never get rewarded in society, and we get chastised and we get you into trouble. Those things get rewarded inside, and then. There's no one, like I said, there's no one trying to treat the and or address the problematic behaviors that brought them in, in the first place. There's no one trying to show them and model decent, good, citizen-like behaviors um, before they get out. And the the rehabilitation, as Malone and I have both experienced, is basically once you make parole. Then they're going to give you a few months where they're just going to throw information at you. And usually it's in the form of additional punishment. For me, when I went to to the rehabilitation part of my prison stay, it was eight months of officers just being able to do whatever they wanted to you. And you could not say anything back. They could wake you up at five in the morning. They could make you get dressed, get fully dressed and sit in bed all day. They could... Uh, take away wreck. They could kick you out of the day room. They could do whatever they wanted. They could lock you up in solitary. And if you fought back, you would lose your parole. So to be fair, they can do all those things anyway. Uh, out anyways, but the problem is, is that inmates can win in the long run because the grievance process often take oftentimes take takes more than six months just for a grievance to go through. To be you know so. If you get yourself in a situation where you're in a six-month program, it doesn't matter. Right, <laughs> you're, you're out of there. But by the time your grievance goes through, you're going to be out of prison anyways if, if you make it that far. Right. And if it, if it doesn't, like, if you don't go that far, you already lost your parole. So right. it's game over. Right. So, you know, trust me. If you've been in, if you were in prison, you're going to play their game, and you're going to go along with whatever hoop they want you to jump through so that you can get out of there. Right. So that and this is why and that's actually this is these are the things that we want to talk about tomorrow night over at the college is basically this is why prison doesn't work. And the way for me, the big thing about readdressing it is 
it's not that we can't take people out of society. You do have to take them out of society to address the issue. But when you take them out of society, then it's all about addressing the issues, bringing, having people, not officers who are focused on safety. It's about having specialists who are focused on welfare and trying to to address these behaviors and figure and like and making it a safe place for everyone so that when they get out, they really when someone's done with a sentence, it shouldn't just be an arbitrary. You've got 10 years. Hopefully you've learned your lesson by the by the time of 10 years. It should be you're going to this place that when you're ready to come out, they will like we've got these specialists who have got this set program for you ready to go as soon as you go in. Once you finish the program, you will go out and not only will you go out, you will have all the skills you need to be a better person, citizen, take care of yourself, all of that. Yeah. And it's not just the, um, you know, I kind of wonder about the concept of even taking people all the way out of society. I think that taking people out of society isn't necessarily helping them either because that right the the i the the lack of of uh, society has its own form of control it has its own form of a sort of um uh, uh, behavior enforcements and so forth and and a lot of that a lot of what happens to people outside in prison is because they're outside of that society they're outside of the the normal sort of behavioral control patterns that are th that are there that society imposes on all of us and Sometimes some of the things that happen to people in prison that change them the most are whenever people come back from society. There's certain you know, church programs or things like Bridges to Life and all that that kind of all of a sudden wake people back up to the so, to the actual norms that are uh, should have been in, uh, should have been <laughs> been lived by or so forth uh, uh, outside of prison. And that's a, I think that's really a ma another major flaw of the prison system is the concept of taking people out of the world, taking people out of society, and putting them in this, in this false alternate reality, because that false alternate reality enforces those behaviors that you're talking about, forces, and reinforces. I mean, when I, the thing that was like the most uh, reinforced sort of idea whenever I came into prison. What's this concept of just might makes right? You know, if if you can do it, do it type of thing. If I can, if I can victimize you, if I can take something from you, and you can't do anything about it, then I should. You know, it's it's mine by right of strength, type of thing. This sort of law of the jungle kind of concept, which you don't you don't encounter that. And if you do, that's I mean that's an immediate you know violation that's going to uh uh. Put you in the criminal sector, but it's it was completely one hundred percent reinforced by guards and inmates alike. Right. That's yeah. It's a lot of a lot of officers, especially, thrived on it. They really they really and that victimization that. that a lot of people uh, had imposed upon them in prison. They sat there and they realized they 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 knew that well, you know, in here you might be able to to get the better of me. Because you have either the numbers or you have the you're physically stronger than I am, but out there in the world, 
I can get the better of you. I can, you know, through either having a gun or weapon or having, I, maybe I have the numbers out there, you know, that type of thing. So people plotted the revenge. You have that, that whole, when you think about that whole entire uh, fiasco, that, that, that horrible event that happened whenever James Byrd was dragged to his death in Jasper, Texas, People make it like there's some kind of clan group or something that was in Jasper, Texas that did that. It wasn't anything of the sort. It was a couple of guys, well, it's like three guys that were on Beto One who had been thoroughly victimized by black gangs in prison on Beto One. And they sat around and plotting that while they were on Beto One. They wanted to pay black people back for the crimes, for the, for the abuse that they endured at the hands of blacks while they were in prison. That right. would have had normal laws of, of behavior been enforced in prison at that time, that crime could have been completely avoided. And that's the other thing. Like, all these things, like, this has been a very un-PC episode of The Shakedown, but, like, the, but, like, racism, a lot of the, the like, very, any, any small societal issue gets blown up to a thousand times because of prison. There's if there's any power disparities due to race or power disparities due to gender, then that gets blown up as soon as you add add this criminal justice system on top of it, and it makes it totally worse for the well, people in, in well, there. In the nineties, in 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 the nineties and the early two thousands, I mean, racism was another one of those things that was positively enforced in prison. The guards, the inmates, all of it. Prisons were segregated not by, by uh, the guards. They were segregated by the inmates. Inmates had their own. You walk into a day room, you had black benches, you had Mexican benches, you had white benches. And that was enforced by the inmates. God forbid you sit on the wrong bench. <laughs> you could suffer uh, uh, great physical uh, abuse. Uh, from You would be beat up, if not killed, for doing that. And the... Uh, it's, it's difficult for people that haven't been in prison to understand the mindset, but people didn't respect you if you weren't racist. Blacks yeah. respected white people that were in prison that were racist. They, if they went and tattooed swastikas on them or, or you know, or, or, you know I, man, there was guys I would see literally had like tattoos of Klansmen hanging black people on their back. And they're sitting there in the day room playing dominoes at the tables with the black inmates, because the inmates were black inmates respected them because of their rape, because they, you know, they were, they 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 felt like these guys were really down for, for you know for the, for their people, you know, and that that's how they also themselves were. They hated white people, and they and, and were very open about it, and they they didn't respect you unless you were that way. So I mean, right. it was this, it's an upside down world that's that's. Be, it's not something that's easily comprehended by people that are outside of it. And so when you mention a, a gang name like the Aryan Brotherhood, the name oh, Aryan Brotherhood, that immediately sends these horrific negative connotations that go along with it into the minds of anybody that hadn't been in prison. But they don't even understand that the Aryan Brotherhood was formed in response to black racism against white. They had... That was a, the whole reason they even called it what they called it and that they formed the group to begin with was to keep from the, the to gain the respect of the blacks in prison, not to 
not to kill blacks or anything like that. It was to gain the respect of the other races in prison to keep from being victimized by them. And that's right. And because if you, one thing too is like everyone is questioning everyone about what their motives are. If you and come, it's not like that now. No, no. it's not nearly as what it was then. But right. Still, but even even when I was locked up, people still there was always a question. What what's your what's your game? What's your catch? What are you in for? What's your what like for for me especially the thing I constantly had to deal with was the the question of well you're a quiet guy you're nice you 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 have some brains about you what are you in for what it what's the what what's your deal what's what's what, what kind of mess are you going to cause and like that was there's always they're always looking for whatever the what is the catch on all of this every everyone is i was a lot of times looking for what because i just after after being stuck in there a while you end up that's kind of yeah after, you have to learn after you got stuck in there several times you had to you had to start really wondering these people that came up to you i mean what's your catch how are you going to catch me i mean <laughs> I mean, people can understand that. Why, why you had been leery after the first two or three times. Then after that, you know, I mean, you come up to me, you got a smile on your face. I mean, <laughs> that, no. doesn't mean that doesn't mean you're friendly. It doesn't necessarily. <laughs> no. 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 And this has been the light, airy episode <laughs> the light, airy, like uh, taking it easy. Free, taking it easy, just happy to be in Colorado episode of the Shakedown. That has been nothing but happy thoughts, rainbows. Nothing but happy thoughts. Yeah, rainbows. Been lots of rainbows. Lots of rainbows. <laughs> lots of rainbows. Safe space. <laughs> you are safe here. That is one thing Malone has noticed. All the safe space stickers yeah, everywhere. I feel Safer than I've ever felt. There's going to be a giant safe stake space sticker on Malone before he leaves. I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I certainly need it. I certainly do. <laughs> we're gonna have to. We're we're gonna have uh, see you educate Malone on how to become a safe space. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, you you uh, you're a lot safer due to me. I mean. Due to my efforts, due to my heroism. <laughs> yes. Yes. The world is much safer. Not the world, just you. Just me. Yes. Yes. Fair okay. enough. Fair enough. <laughs> that and the world of orangutan conservancy. And that is an important part of what I'm about. Yes. Of all that. Well, I think because Malone is, we do need to, I want, Malone uh, wants to go to the barcade down the road yeah. and check out. It's a safe, it's a safe space. <laughs> it's a, they've got, they've got signs out front with rainbows on them. They say it's a safe space and I don't want to see this. He wants to know how safe. I want to, I want to feel safe. <laughs> 
he wants to feel safe playing skee ball is basically I think what the what it ends up being. There's a danger in a ski ball. <laughs> there usually is. And then, um, but I would like to point out that, um, yeah, this is their first time. Once again, awesome. One camera setup. First time alone in the studio, which is awesome. You get to actually hear him. You can actually hear me and see me. The Shakedown was produced at Longmont Public Media. And our theme song, Shakedown, was brought to you by Envato Elements. If you want any Shakedown merchandise or you want to support the show, you can go to waywordpress.com. That's W-A-Y-W-O-R-D-Press.com. 